Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Nightmarica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we are doing, please consider supporting patreon.com forward slash Aaron Sagers. Welcome to Nightmarica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhood. Episode 43, Encantos and Ireland's Fairy Wife with Sapphire Sandalow. Ahoy, hoy, Nightmarikans. Aaron Sagers here. And yes, we have arrived at another episode of Nightmarica. And if you're listening to this, you probably know this, but I'll say it anyhow. I am a journalist, a paranormal pop culture expert, and a researcher of all things weird. And currently... You can see me on Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera, airing on Discovery Plus and I think Fridays at 10 p.m. It kind of shifted around a little bit with the new streaming service. But with that said, I'm very excited about my guest co-host this week, and she is a pro at this whole podcasting thing. She's an animator, a podcaster, and a host based in Los Angeles. She created the web series and award-nominated podcast, Something Scary. And you can see her alongside a bunch of other awesome people on Paranormal Caught on Camera, as well as Paranormal Night Shift on the Travel Channel. And she is also the co-host of the horror podcast, Alter Weekly, where she and Andrew Bowser dive deep into topics surrounding the horror genre. She's a part-time professor at Loyola Marymount University, where she teaches a class about the importance of diversity and accurate representation in animation and entertainment. And not only all that, but she also practices tarot readings in her spare time and likes diving into occult knowledge. And she also created the award-winning podcast stories with sapphire to encourage more cultural diversity within the paranormal community so with that said 
very happy to bring on my friend and my colleague, Sapphire Sandalo. Hey, Sapphire. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Did I cover everything that you've, you've accomplished so much? It's hard to cover it all. <laughs> I know. As you were reading it, I was like, oh, I didn't realize I did so many things. <laughs> you have done so many things, so many cool things, and very much like a mission that I support all around, especially encouraging cultural diversity within the paranormal community. I mean, granted, mm -hmm. I am a straight white dude. However, <laughs> it's like there's none of us around. There's no <laughs> straight white guys around. No, but with that said, like I, I think it's so important to talk about different cultures because for so long, the paranormal, at least in the U.S., has been viewed through this Judeo-Christian male lens. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's important to take a look at other stuff. Is that... Is that something, because I know that you bring that perspective onto Paranormal Caught on Camera, was that something that you knew you were going to be doing from the outset, or did you sort of kind of lean into it? Did you kind of get used to that that space that you had this opportunity to talk about it on Paranormal Caught on Camera? Um, well, I mean, the topic of representation and representing specifically Filipinos, just because I am a Filipino-American, um, it's been something that has been important to me for a very long time. And so when I, I guess like my first real big audience, I guess, was when I was doing the Something Scary web series. And all of the first episodes I did were just stories of my family who are Filipino. And then I chose, I had this opportunity to pick exactly what stories I was going to use and what characters I was going to use. And I was like, oh my God, I can just like create the cultural diversity in this space that I have always wanted to consume. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered. <laughs> no, it did. I mean, you, because with your podcast, I have heard some of your family stories as well as stories of other people, including other folks from Paranormal Caught on Camera. But mm -hmm. Your initial, initial interest in the paranormal, did it come from your family or did you have an interest in it and then your family, you kind of tuned into the family stories? Oh, 100% from my family. Um, so my grandpa, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this a million times <laughs> to you in your presence, but my grandpa is, uh, he was the one who had the most stories in my family. And so those stories introduced me to the idea of ghosts, all these Filipino cryptids, folklore, all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, hang on a second. If my grandpa says this is real, this has to be real. And so I started asking everyone else in my family for stories and they would share that. And then that's sort of what sparked my obsession where I was like, I need to know everything. <laughs> As a storyteller, did you learn your skills most from him? Um, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird because it actually telling stories and performing wasn't something that came too natural to me as a kid. I was really awkward and honestly kind of bad. I was watching like videos and I'm like, ooh, I'm not, I was not very good. Um, it was something that I really had to work on a lot. <laughs> it's something I still have to work on. I, I know stories and I can present them, but then sometimes my brain, I'm already a very absent-minded person and I can get a little <laughs> flaky. So sometimes if my brain in, inside it goes on a different a railway a different track then 
you will start hearing me ramble and then there will be a lot of the ums and the ahs. But if I'm focused, mm. then I can tell that story without those detours. I don't know if you can relate to that <laughs> or if I'm just oversharing. I mean, I definitely, I, I mean, I heavily edit myself. <laughs> like I'm a little nervous that I'm going to now, like when I tell this story, I'm going to forget everything, but um We'll see. <laughs> I, no, I have total faith. In well, uh, the other question right. I want to, I know that on Paranormal Caught a Gamer, we get a lot of topics, some better than others, some footage yeah. better than others. <laughs> what outside of the ones, because we get a lot of great ones from the Philippines, but outside mm-hmm. of the footage that we get from the Philippines, that's very much part of your cultural background and connects to your family. What are some of the favorite pieces of footage that you get for for good bad ugly whatever oh you said outside of the filipino ones well i mean you could say the filipino ones but i assumed that that was going to be your first answer so now i'm pushing you on the secondary answer (laughs) i know i i truly do get excited when i'm looking at the clips that they send and there's one from the philippines i'm like yes so much I can talk about because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I struggle trying to come up with something to say. So when it's Filipino, I'm like, Ooh, I feel like I, I got something to say. Um, let's see. So, okay. Obviously number one (laughs) is Filipinos. Um, Hmm. I mean, there's, we can even say there's some bad footage out there. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to comment on bad footage and sometimes it's fun to comment on bad footage. That's true. You know, I will say the ones that I, I really don't like, and I wonder if you'll agree with me, are the ones about orbs. I, yeah, go on. Mostly because most of the time they're very easily debunked. And I'm not saying that. Because I do believe orbs exist. Like there are people see balls of light all the time. But the types that tend to be captured on camera, more often than not, they are dust particles. So it's really hard for me to be like, to try to talk about it as if it's real. (laughs) Right. Well, no, I I can agree with you. It's, it is, it's what I call the great, great orb debate, dust Mm. particle, insects, moisture, whatever it may be. But then my thought is, well, while these things could be this, that, or the other, that's not to say that there's not something else out there. It's always about right. finding that wiggle room for me. So, yeah. so I'm not completely, I, the thing that really only annoys me is when we encounter people that are, well, people using demon way too much mm-hmm. people people slamming witches i hate that i hate, <gasps> I hate it so much yeah. and we get so many clips like that where they're like "Ooh, they saw a witch i'm like that was literally a person right <laughs> Just, yeah well or even well i know which clip you're talking about also like but but not only that but w- the witch shaming it's like okay mm-hmm. yeah so there's some witches around here and What's I your would, point? <laughs> I would much often rather hang out with some of the witches as opposed to some of the some some other folks out there. But so there's the witch shaming, the over reliance on demon stuff. Satanic then, cults too is another one that yeah. bothers me. Yeah, me too. I, and and then the people that are actively hamming it up for the camera. Oh, yeah. So I, I feel like you can watch some of these footage and it can be an acting school of sorts because you can learn how to 
react in a better way that's not so obvious and then you might win more people over instead of mm. just the you know what i'm saying probably giving away too many secrets now <laughs> do you mean for the people who are sharing the video or like us oh no the people sharing the video yeah because uh, mm -hmm. if you when you overreact it's a little yeah. too much you can tell and I there's been so. there's been a couple times where the producers will say an extra thing like oh when we were interviewing them they they seemed really genuine or like they were crying like little things like that and to me mm -hmm. I go that's helpful to me i'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah know. it's always good to get the crying out of it but well so <laughs> well with that said so uh i'm gonna play a little game with you it's not even really a, a very good game it's just uh option a or option b but <laughs> i'm gonna throw two headlines at you and then okay. you let me know which thing you want to know it's uh, news of the weird kind of thing not necessarily strictly paranormal but the first headline makers of sophia the robot plan mass rollout amid pandemic that's headline one, Sophia the Robot. The other one is Oklahoma State Representative files bill to create a Bigfoot hunting season. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Um, Let's see. Uh, you know, let's hear about the robots. Hear about the robots. Okay. Here we go. This is coming out of, uh, according to Reuters and out of Hong Kong, social robots like me can take care of the sick or elderly. That's a direct quote from Sophia, the robot. And she was conducting a tour of her lab in Hong Kong. And she says, I can give, I can help communicate, give therapy and provide social stimulations, even in difficult situations. Now, Sophia was unveiled in 2016. Do you know what she looks like? Do you, have you heard of Sophia, the robot? I think so. Is it the one... She doesn't have any hair, right? Right. And she doesn't even have a, uh, she has just a face on a robotic skull. I think she even made a appearance on Silicon Valley. If you watch that show. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I do know who she is. Yes. So she's gone she? viral. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, she, she, she identifies as a female okay. or, or someone has identified her as a female, but <laughs> So during the pandemic, I guess what they're going to be doing, or the first half of 2020, they're going to be rolling her out and mass producing Sophia. I don't know if they will all be called Sophia. And they will be using her to sort of aid people during the pandemic and both provide comfort, but as well as provide some sort of care for people that perhaps can't go out or are under quarantine or whatever. It kind of actually makes sense as far as uses for robots that mm -hmm. not going to be susceptible to a virus that instead, I guess you can have a robot, preferably one that's not quite as creepy looking, taking care of you. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean... For me, just because robots make me uncomfortable, I'm also terrified of statues and animatronics. So I would be the worst mm. person to be comforted by a robot of any kind. Have you ever, have you been to the Magic Kingdom in Orlando? No, I've only been to Disneyland. Okay. Anaheim. Well, in Orlando, there's a tour of Disney artifacts and they have a... Hall of Presidents Abraham Lincoln on display. No, it gets worse. So they have like one of the original Abraham Lincolns on display, but it's literally 
just his face and sort of a skin flap hanging down from no. his head. And then the rest of it is all robot body. And I am convinced that this is, I, I imagine him doing sort of the the uh, T-2000 kind of walk, the fast walk with his hands pumping like that, chasing <laughs> after me. It is this. It is nightmare fuel. So <laughs> I imagine you would be terrified of it considering your existing fear of robots. I have seen a video of the Hall of Presidents and I, I had to turn it off. I was like, that's terrifying. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, no, no. So, okay. Well, no Sophia for you, but Mm -mm. maybe someone will. I don't think I would, I don't think I would really like it either, especially, I mean, look, if I really needed it, but the idea of waking up in the middle of the night and forgetting that the robot is there and because the (laughs) robot probably doesn't sleep, waking up and just seeing her or it looking at you. Yeah, I don't like that. Actually, you know, that story reminds me of a video I saw. I don't know. Maybe this was a couple years ago, but it was like a news feature about these robotic pets. So like robotic dogs, robotic Mm -hmm. cats that they give to people in uh, senior homes. So um, to like keep them company, give them something to do. And I, I mean, again, like... I guess maybe because I'm so aware that it is a robot to me that like freaks me out. And I remember asking my husband, I was just like, um, what's the point of that? Like, does it actually like help? And he's like, well, you know, it's not real. So they can't like accidentally kill it, but it still gives them like some sort of comfort. I'm like, okay, I I guess, I don't know. I mean, I guess robots can in the right setting and for the right people help people. I don't know. I would, I'm just, I'm more disturbed or more unsettled. It's the uncanny valley thing. I'm more unsettled by the ones that are made to look human. So a robot dog, if it just looked like a robot instead of made to be made to look real, like a, if it's not like an Android or a a cybernetic organism or whatever, we're not quite there yet. But if it just looked like canine from Doctor Who or then I'd be fine with it, but or if it was a android that looked like C3PO who doesn't have a skinned face mm-hmm. I'd be okay with it but it's once you start trying to make it look human that mm-hmm. it starts get, dipping in that unca- uncanny valley and and freaking me out more yeah that's true well you know it's true for me i don't know some people are totally down for the robot overlords but well let's head into our topic actually so we're going to talk about yeah, uh, let me say, let's see if I'm pronouncing this right. Encanto? Yes, Encanto. Encanto. And also the fairy wife of Ireland. But before we hear from Sapphire's story, let us hear from one of our sponsors. Support for Nightmarica is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming for more than 2 million men and counting. Now, Valentine's Day is upon us, Nightmaricans, and you want to make sure you're ready for wherever the night or day might take you. And whether you're buying for yourself or you're getting a gift for that special someone, Manscaped has you covered. And the best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. This is full of the best products to keep you or your guy looking, smelling, and feeling nice. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by Manscaped's revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0. Now, that is a trimmer which has advanced skin-safe technology and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Now, that is important because, let me tell you, no one in Nightmarica supports bloodletting. It is also waterproof, which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink. And let's be real. Unless you're a ghost, you're going to smell sometimes. Like demons, goblins, Sasquatch, they all stink. And so do you guys. But with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, you or your guy can smell good. The manly scent is attractive, and it's going to help set the mood. Personally, I am digging the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. Now, that is the same scent that is in all of the Manscaped formulas, and this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection, and it completes the grooming game. Finally, the Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers. Please toss those ratty overused undies and trade up with these high-performance anti-chafing boxers. They are easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had. How can you get this perfect package for you or your guys' perfect package? Well, you're going to head to manscaped.com and you're going to enter the code NIGHTMERICA and that gets you 20% off and free shipping. Again, Code Nightmarica at manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. And we're back. You, I see you giggling over there. We didn't go anywhere. This is the part, this is the, this is the magic of podcasting. Yeah. Where we, I'm going to insert it later. But it's the bad magic of pod, whereas you're a pro, you're, you're, a, you're a master illusionist. I'm just just doing some store-bought magic tricks and <laughs> and trying to make it look okay. So don't don't you judge me, Sapphire. I'm not judging. <laughs> I see you. I see you. This is obviously an audio medium, but for those folks that do the Patreon and can see the video, Sapphire's got an actual nice little studio with some some sound buffering on the side, and I am sitting in front of a closet. <laughs> hey you make it work I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying i'm trying uh, okay well with that said i'm i'm stoked to hear this story from you so why don't you lay it on me let's let's get into it Ooh. okay so uh before i begin i do want to mention the person who told me the story um she was my tita soraya she passed away pretty recently in december um and she was just an amazing, beautiful person, especially in the LA community. A lot of people knew her. She did a lot of activist work and she was also like an ancestral dancer. Just wanted to give her a little shout out. Oh yeah, that's great. And mm -hmm. um, so I'll, I'll start by how, how I got connected with her to tell this story. So she's sort of like a distant, I mean, I call her my Tita, but she's actually technically not related to me, you know, Filipinos. Um, <laughs> and so when I had started doing my web series, Something Scary, I was posting on Facebook, asking if people had any stories they wanted to share. And one of my cousins shared my post and then Tita Soraya responded to it. And she went, oh, I don't, she's, oh God, what did she say? She's like, I wonder if Sapphire wants to hear about the exorcism, dot, dot, dot. 
And then I saw that and I responded, I a thousand percent want to hear about this. <laughs> so I messaged her and I got her phone number and we tried to arrange a time to talk. The only time that I could was during work hours. I was so, I was such a bad employee. This is when I was working on Mr. Pickles. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, just call me during work. I don't care. So I walked into our break room um, in the office and it was the weirdest thing because we would be, oh no, it even started before that. Actually, wait, now I'm, it happened so long ago that I'm like getting facts wrong. Anyways. Okay. So basically we were trying to call each other. So I would call her and then it wouldn't even go to voicemail. It would just kind of die. And right. then I would get a message from her. She'd be like, Hey, I'm trying to like call you. And I'm like, I didn't get a call. And like, we literally were trying to get a hold of each other. Finally we did. And then we're talking a little bit, trying to remember how our families know each other. And then the second she gets into the story, the call cuts out. I'm like, uh, okay. So I try to get a hold of her again. Again, it's really hard. And it happens again, where the second she's about to start the stories, when the call goes out, it happens like multiple times. Like the story and, should not be told. Yes. And then she said, oh, it almost feels like something doesn't want me to share this. And I was like, oh, no because I want to hear it. This is like the great setup for a spooky story. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's wild is that, okay, so obviously I have, I've spoken to very, a lot of people <laughs> about stories. And this is such a common thing where the second they're about to get into the story, something weird technologically mm -hmm. happens every, almost every time. So I don't think that's just a coincidence. Maybe it is. But then the thing is where I was, I do, it was like very brick walls. I'm like, maybe the service is bad here, but right. it was just the timing that felt so weird. <laughs> Anyways. And I, I feel like the story has to be amazing now. <laughs> I, I, it's going to be. It's all, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> and actually, this is why I wore this shirt because it's on theme. I Exorcist was going to see. Shirt. Yes, I see the Exorcist <laughs> shirt that you're wearing. So, uh, let's see. So, this story takes place in a small village in the Philippines. Um, I don't remember how these people are related to me. Somehow they are uh, connected to me. And so, there was a baby who was born uh, sort of prematurely. And because she was so small, her parents named her Baby. Okay. And so, Baby is living in this pretty small village in the Philippines. And one day she's maybe about seven years old and she's being babysat by one of her older cousins, her cousins, maybe in her teens or something. And so baby is just gone for a couple of hours. And what's so funny is that this is so common in a lot of these stories where a child will just disappear and then return. So baby was gone for a couple hours and then she while, came back. While being babysat. Yes. Like just disappear. <laughs> and then I know. And I'm like, why are people watching their children more closely? But, but I guess I don't I know. Don't yeah, I, that's really going to drive down the Yelp review for this babysitter. I'm just saying this like <laughs> lost baby for a couple right. hours. And this happens like in my family, too, where my uncle was lost for a couple hours and came back and had these weird stories. So I don't know. Maybe it's just common in the Philippines. Maybe they're just a little bit looser, but baby was gone and she came back and her cousin was like, hey, where were you? <laughs> I've been looking for you. And she's like, 
oh, I was playing with Sven. And her cousin is like, okay, who, who was Sven? You know, she didn't know a Sven. Um, and then baby said, oh, he's my friend. And um, her cousin just assumed, okay, Sven might be like an imaginary friend. She thought it was really weird to pick that name though. Cause it's very European. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a Filipino name. No. And um, like I said, it was a very small town. And so they kind of knew everybody in the area, but her cousin just thought, okay, you know, baby's just maybe just a weird little kid. <laughs> so she kind of uh, ignored it. Um, and she, oh, sorry, before she ignored it, she asked, what did you and Sven do? You know, sort of just like entertaining this mm -hmm. weird little story that she sang. And baby said, well, he took me in this flying machine and we were flying all over the place and I got to see so many things. And I oh, know she said the flying machine with a spinning top and they were flying all around. And her cousin was just like, Okay, weird imagination, baby. Cool. Um, Cute. Bye. Fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then this happened again, maybe a couple days later, right, like within the same week where okay. baby disappeared. She couldn't find her. Baby came back. She's like, where were you? Why do you keep disappearing? And she said, I was with Sven. And her cousin's like, okay, well, what did you guys do today? And baby's like, this time he gave me these special clothes that make you breathe underwater. And I got to see all these fish in the ocean and we were swimming around. Um, and her cousin's like, all right, that's interesting. But again, maybe just wild imagination. It was a great imagination too. This is really mm -hmm. colorful kind of stuff that a kid would be telling. Right. <laughs> and so maybe a couple days pass her cousin and baby are now walking down a street. And do you know what a balete tree is? I don't think so, no. You might have seen them, just didn't know what they were called. But they're those really big, wide trees common in the Philippines that have like the dangly branches. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe banyan trees. Ban are also banyan trees, yeah. 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 That's what I was so. Say. Mm -hmm. So they're very common in the Philippines, and those trees specifically have a lot of stories attached to them just because they are so big and there's like myths that people live in them or there's magical stuff that happens around them. So Baby and her cousin are walking down the street, and then Baby points at one of these balete trees, and she goes, oh, that's Sven's house. And this catches her cousin's attention because she's like, hang on a second, what? especially since she knows that there's something about balete trees. And so baby's pointing at this tree and says, yes, yeah, Sven brought me up there to meet his parents. And there was this really big snake and it was painting these really pretty gold designs on these plates. So she was getting really specific with her experience. And this was the moment that her cousin thought, okay, I don't think that baby's just making this stuff up. There might actually be something going on here. Mm -hmm especially because she mentioned the snake. And since they are Catholic, um, in Catholicism, the snake is usually tied with the devil, which right. side note, this is something I learned pretty recently in all these other, if you look at other 
uh, religions and cultures, indigenous cultures, a snake is actually a very powerful symbol that is revered. It is not considered evil. And so I look at that and go, hmm, I wonder why <laughs> Catholicism decided to pick this very revered animal and use it as like a demonic symbol. Yeah, it's like they literally demonized all of these uh, pagan deities and and folk deities and things like pan you know we get the idea for yep. the biblical uh, image of satan a lot from from pan you know the goat-legged uh deity so yeah you know i was raised catholic too so thanks catholicism <laughs> right I actually have a i have a snake on my arm now which if i was super catholic this would be bad but this was snakes are very important and powerful in like filipino yeah. culture um anyways that was a side note <laughs> so but to her when she heard the story she was like "Ooh, snakes i need to tell someone about this so she her cousin went to her mom baby's mom mm-hmm. and she told her about all of these stories and her mom went oh no i think baby has been hanging out with an encanto so what an encanto is it's Encanto is sort of a loose term for a spirit, but in this situation, um, this spirit took the appearance of a white person. Usually they are white, like the call, like a colonizer appearance. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they seduce people and to the point where they convince them to be married or like convince them to spend the rest of their life with them. And then once that promise has been made, they will take all your energy. Like they will take your soul and like kill you. Um, And so when her mom made this realization, she was like, we need to get baby an exorcism stat. (laughs) And so this was maybe the first story I heard that changed the way I looked at exorcism because up until that point i did only think okay an exorcism happens when the devil possesses you and you have to like get rid of it and that is a very um that is one thing that can happen but as an extremely rare thing to happen like the actual devil or a demon possessing you is very very rare what usually happens is you're possessed by other things um sometimes you can be possessed by family members um and then in this case it's not that the Encanto was in her. It was more like the exorcism was a ritual to separate the ties that have uh, happened between her and Sven and just basically protect her and be like, Sven cannot touch her anymore kind of thing. Yeah. Um, also, another side note, something I <laughs> learned <laughs> recently too, is that the idea of possession being a bad thing is very much rooted in racism. Because if you look at a lot of um, African religions, the like when you dance, you are thought to be possessed by God. You right. know, like the idea that you have God inside of you. And again, I can see why that would be demonized because in Catholicism, you are not God. You are mm-hmm. lower than. Anyways, sorry, I keep going on a lot. Of no, time. no, no. That's, a, that's that's an interesting. I mean, that's an interesting topic. I mean, we could even go into that in a in a separate conversation. But I'm fascinated by that because I hadn't really yeah. thought about it in that way. And I, I want to. I would almost separately want to go down that rabbit hole and and look at the origins of it, since the notion of possession goes back throughout multiple cultures. You know, mm-hmm. every it seems like every culture has some version of 
possession, but not all of it is a bad thing. But yeah, anyhow, that, that, that yeah, that's fascinating. But continue. <laughs> so they take baby to the church. She gets an exorcism. And then the next day, baby doesn't disappear. They ask her if she remembers anything about Sven, any of these activities that she's done with him. And she couldn't remember any of it. The name Sven didn't ring a bell. And so they're like, all right, cool. We're good. She's not going to get stolen by an Encanto anymore. And then years pass. So her cousin, baby's cousin, maybe was in her 20s or something. And then she moved to America. And she was maybe in a doctor's waiting room somewhere where she stumbled upon a National Geographic magazine. And she was flipping through it. And she, for the first time, saw a photo of a helicopter flying mm -hmm. over a place. And then she remembered what baby said, a flying machine with a spinning top. And there were no helicopters in their village. So this is the first time she saw this. And she thought, oh my God, is this what baby was talking about? And then like later on in the magazine, she saw people in scuba diving outfits underneath the water. And she remembered what baby said, the clothes that helped you breathe underwater. And she thought, oh my God, is this what baby was talking about? Mm -hmm. So she, it, even though baby doesn't remember any of this happening, uh, her cousin definitely does. And because she saw all of those things in the magazine, to her that confirmed that baby really was hanging out with something that, because they didn't have a TV, they didn't have magazines in that area. So for her to just come up with those images on her own is pretty wild. And to me, that freaks me out. Cause I'm like, how did she know about these things when yeah. it was never introduced to her? So that's the end of that story. It's no, and it's a great story. And it makes me, and this is why I love these stories is that my brain, I can go off in any different direction. Like I could take sort of the skeptical approach and ask questions about it. But beyond that, there's sort of the Encanto element to it, but also, and almost like you could view it as you, you talk about Sven, you talk about a white man. I almost think that reminds me of sort of the stories of Nordic aliens, you know, the aliens that appear in as tall Nordic looking mm -hmm. with blonde or white hair, or the idea of it, when I, when my knowledge of the Encantos, which is not as in depth as yours, is more along the same lines as elves or other nature spirits, which then in my mind connects to Iceland and, and other cultures that have similar stories of those kinds of entities. And so it just seems like it seems like there's so many areas where this kind of cross cross sex, you know, or mm -hmm. intersex and cross sex is not a word intersex. <laughs> there's so many different kind of lore version of lore and whatnot that mm -hmm. this can connect to. So what do you personally think? Uh, I mean, I, it's impossible for me to say if it actually was an Encanto, but I do believe that baby was, interacting with something like maybe it was just a 
run-of-the-mill ghost, a ghost of somebody who wanted to hang out with her. I don't know if it was malicious. Um, I think maybe her cousin got scared because of the snake imagery and just, you know, everything being so specific. Um, But it could have just been a guy, a spirit of a guy that she was hanging out with. Um, Maybe not necessarily negative. Yeah. Do you think that baby was actually going to these locations or it was just sort of showing her these things in her mind? Ooh, see, I think about that all the time. Cause I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but like, here's the thing. <laughs> so <laughs> my family also has a similar story. I mentioned this earlier where when my uncle was three, he disappeared and they were looking mm-hmm. for him. And all of a sudden he showed up and then he said that he was playing with the little people and he claimed that he was nearby the whole time. So to me, that almost feels like they do get transported somewhere like they're gone because they're somewhere or maybe (laughs) they are seeing especially younger people or people that are more susceptible to it or open to it or are seeing things that other people are not seeing because they're closed off to it i mean there Mm -hmm. is again like in icelandic culture and a lot of other culture there's the idea of hidden folk and and that there is this race or even gin, you know, we talk about mm-hmm. it comes up periodically on paranormal caught on camera and it's typically viewed only as a negative thing. But according to the stories of gin, they're just doing their own thing. They have their own civilization. They're, yeah. they're living their lives, having jobs, getting married and whatnot even. And it's really when people start poking around and stirring up trouble that you end up on the bad side of a, of a gin or, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, I mean, Hmm. It would be pretty great if you're being transported, though, because that's like that's like a paranormal passport right there. Uh, sign me yeah. up in that case. Like I get to go scuba diving. I get to oh, go on helicopter rides, especially right now. And in 2020, when I haven't been on I haven't been on a plane in a year, which is so unusual. Sign me up. Sign me the sign me the hell up. Get, you know, come take me on a a journey even if it's just some astral projection i'll take i'll take some of that action right that sounds really fun right i mean maybe not so much the soul sucking part of it at the end but um if i can create a loophole to avoid that yeah it's not up to you right it's true (laughs) um so in so with the uh, are all of these entities because i've i've heard that they can appear either as male or female mm-hmm. are they all necessarily negative or are within filipino culture is there some belief in the encantos that they're positive that they can be helpers or benevolent entities yeah so the thing about Encantos specifically. So I feel like there are different types of interpretations. And I think the one that I know, the one where it usually takes the form of a white person, I feel like that specific interpretation uh, originates from around the time of colonization. It's like a, what's the word? that I'm looking for a morale, not morality tale, a warrant, just a cautionary tale. Cautionary tale. Yeah. Be careful of the white people essentially. Right. I Um, mean, mm -hmm. they've colonized the lands and they will literally colonize or take possession of you. 
And if you, if you marry them, they might kill you or whatever. So I, I think that specific one definitely is from that. But there are also um, thought to be good in Kantos. And Kanto is just means spirit, I believe. I might be wrong. Um, so yeah, there's different types for yeah. sure. Yeah, the umbrella term that a lot of a lot of stuff fits under, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I love it. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. And and yeah. also thanks to Tita, even though she's no longer with <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. The stories, this is how people continue on, how how the lives continue on. So mm-hmm. I love that. Well, can I share a story with you? Um, yes. <laughs> what if I said no? <laughs> Would be a shorter podcast. But <laughs> all right. Well, let's hear from another. Sponsor. Nightmerica is brought to you by the Smell of Fear Candle Co. You know I'm a nerd. You know this. But what you may not know is that I also like candles, and a good smelling candle can bring a lot of character to the room. And Smell of Fear candles bring a lot of literary and film characters to a room. These scents are inspired by characters and settings from stories and history. For example, the Telltale Heart Candle from the Essence of Poe collection smells like the infamous oak floorboards from that story, with just a hint of tobacco that I imagine that crazed narrator was frantically smoking. I also dig the Gonna Need a Bigger Boat Candle from the Cinematic Sense collection. Jaws is one of my favorite movies, and this candle puts me right in the action. It smells like salty sea air with the wood of an old fishing boat and just a hint of whiskey that Quint was knocking back. There's also the Sasquatch candle from the Cryptid Collection. No, it it does not smell like the stinky beast that we all know and love, but instead it's inspired by the heavily forested areas in the northwest that Bigfoot is said to roam, with hints of redwood, cedar, pine, and earth. Other collections include literary redolence, televised temptations, a whiff of king, think Stephen King, with more than 80 candles and counting, there are new candles being released monthly. Newer releases are Welcome to Fright Night, for real. And that smells like the fresh fruit that Jerry Dandridge was always munching on in the movie. Well, when not munching on humans. There's also Icy Dead People, an icy blend of spearmint, eucalyptus, and mint. And January's releases are a Crucible-inspired creation and something from the Conjuring universe. These candles are a coconut soy blend with no paraffin, so they are eco-friendly, organic, renewable, sustainable, and have minimal environmental impact. They are also clean burning, with almost zero soot in comparison to other types of wax candles. They're also slow burning, with a fantastic scent throw and not made with nasty chemicals. The candles are available in several shapes and sizes, as well as in wax melts. They also do wholesale, custom, and a subscription box service that features each month's new releases. And the candles are sold on Etsy, as well as thesmelloffear.com. They also donate a portion of profits to various non-profit organizations monthly. And past donations have gone to COVID relief funds, pet rescue organizations, and crisis services. Isn't that just nice? That's really nice. I like that. Finally, with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 15% off your order at thesmelloffear.com. So check them out. Smell of Fear Candle Co. They make good sense.
and we're back. <laughs> what a great sponsor. <laughs> it, was, it was a great sponsor. There will be. They're going to fit right in there. They're going to be a great sponsor. All right. Well, this is the story of Ireland's fairy wife. And, you know, this takes place in 1895, March 1895. And just as a refresher of what was going on in 1895, 1895, the modern car, modern version of the car had already been built in 1886. It was not readily available or commercially available to the masses yet but it was built indoor plumbing already existed in some hotels running water was already in the white house and electric bulbs were electric light bulbs were already commercially available to the public so just just to say the 1895 may have seemed like a long time ago but things were kind of rolling as far as our benchmarks of modern civilization right yeah so March 1895, let me introduce you to Bridget Cleary. Now, she was 26 years old, and she and her husband, Michael Cleary, they lived in County Tipperary, Ireland. So um, I guess if you were going to walk it in that day, it probably would have been about a day's journey from Dublin, maybe. And... Michael worked as a cooper, which meant that he made barrels and casks and such out of wood. And it was a good job, actually. Okay. He, he made good money. And she was a dressmaker's apprentice and also sold eggs. And what I found interesting is that she, Bridget, owned a Singer sewing machine at the time. And that sort of spoke to the fact that that was a really... I think it's still considered a really good sewing machine. So they were doing okay. And the New York Times even wrote that they were not quite like their neighbors. They were childless despite being married for eight years. And although Bridget was a local girl, they had lived in larger towns. Maybe not the big city, but bigger, bigger towns. And they were wealthier than their neighbors. And they lived in a good house. And she was... In 1895, also taking care of her father, who was elderly, but not, uh, he was not, he was still mobile. So, and in the Irish Times, they wrote that in March 1895, Bridget was out for a walk. She was delivering eggs. And she was perhaps traveling close to the site of a fairy ring, according Mm -hmm. to the local folklore. There was a fairy ring right near where she was walking. And while she was out, again, March, it was still snow on the ground, pretty chilly outside, and she did catch a chill, and she became quite ill. In fact, possibly, although it was not diagnosed, possibly with pneumonia or tuberculosis, and she developed a pretty pretty nasty cough. After several days of her being ill, her husband Michael sought help from a doctor and then a priest The doctor actually wasn't able to visit right away. He was eventually, but he said, don't worry about it. She's probably just suffering from, quote, nervous excitement and slight bronchitis, which is such a dismissive thing to say. Such a, yeah, slight, I mean, nervous excitement is, is what they would say about any woman, woman that was in, in, enduring some sort of situation, the nerves. (laughs) Nervous excitement. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michael believed that his wife's appearance 
had changed slightly. In fact, he said that she had become quite fine. And also that she was it's fine as in quite, like she got hotter. <laughs> it's, it's I think something is lost in translation throughout <laughs> the ensuing hundred years and change. But I think it maybe she looks. Yes, maybe she looked better. But also, apparently, he believed that she had grown two inches, two inches taller. Huh. Now, Father Ryan, the priest visited. And he found Bridget was alive, but she was actually getting quite agitated. And Michael Cleary told this priest that he had not been giving his wife the medicine prescribed by the doctor. He had no faith in it. He was basically an mm. anti-vaxxer, I guess, at this point. Wow. Even, though, okay. even though he was considered around town to be quite a clever man. So according to the priest, Michael said, quote, People may have some remedy of their own that might do more good than doctor's medicine. So the priest gives her communion and then he takes off. And then Michael at some point starts talking to the neighbor, John Dunn. Now, John Dunn was a storyteller, not unlike yourself, although he was a big believer in local myths, myths that at this point were already dying out in this area and specifically he was a big believer in fairy folklore and michael was listening to him and came to believe that bridget was not bridget this was not his bridget in fact she had been replaced by a changeling a fairy changeling oh my god now the do you know anything about changelings and fairies a tiny bit are they the yeah go on go ahead <laughs> is it just it, the fairies that will swap out people usually babies right they'll take babies well, and then swap them yeah a lot of times a lot of times babies for fairy babies and that sometimes those fairy babies will then go on to be uglier or or be able to talk and then it was also an excuse for basically saying oh you have a dumb baby or maybe your baby is is disadvantaged in some way must be a chain plane you know good way to just point blame on anything you had to do but in this case they can replace people as well and michael came to believe that his bridget had been replaced by a changeling and dunn convinced michael look dude you need you need a professional and we're not talking about the priest you need to visit the fairy doctor and (sighs) The local fairy doctor was a man by the name of Dennis Ganey. This was time was of the essence because he could lose Bridget forever. And he visited Dennis Ganey and Dennis gave Michael a mixture, a potion of herbs and milk. And this was new milk, a cow, a, a Cavalin's milk. Okay. And Michael brings it back home and he forces Bridget to drink it against her will, in fact, because Michael and family members and Dunn held down Bridget and forced her to drink this potion. In fact, there was a lot of people that were coming in and out of the Cleary house, and there seemed to be this, this hysteria growing, and people were getting caught up, embroiled in Michael's belief that his wife 
had been overtaken by a fairy, that there is now a supernatural basis for his wife's illness. And in fact, Bridget's cousin, Johanna Burke, ended up being on the scene. And she said that these men not only forced her to take the herbs, but Michael asked Bridget, or not Bridget, are you Bridget Boland, the wife of Michael Cleary, in the name of God, answer. Irish Times even reported about this in 1895, and Bridget answered twice. Yes, she was Bridget Boland, but she refused to answer a third time. Well, this set Michael off. So Michael and the other people pick Bridget up and hold her over the fire in a sitting position over the slow burning embers of the kitchen fire. And again, Bridget later reported that Johanna later reported that Bridget seemed to be wild and deranged while they were treating her using air quotes around the word treating. <laughs> and again, she responded, I am Bridget Boland, daughter of Pat Boland to the name of God. Well, the next day, Bridget said, while this is continuing, Bridget the next day actually says while she's in bed, she says she can see the police from her window according to reports. And she told Michael, you better leave me alone. And Michael responded by dumping the contents of a chamber pot on her. And (gasps) this comes up a bit that there was, depending on the slight variation of the story, it was either Michael or all of the men had dumped urine on her as part of the ritual. My God. Or maybe he was just pissed off and short tempered and going a little bit crazy, but whatever the case She was cleaned up and she was dressed and she was brought into the kitchen again. And this time she's surrounded again by her cousin, Johanna and her own father, Pat Bridget's father, Pat and other people are in the kitchen at this time. And one of the accounts actually says at this point, things seem like they're going back to normal. They're all gathered around the kitchen table. They're having a chat. I don't know how you go from chamber pot to normal, but apparently (laughs) one of the accounts says that this is the case until Bridget asked for milk now this stoked michael's suspicions all over again because fairies are said to want fresh milk (laughs) then the topic of fairies came up and bridget said to her husband quote your mother used to go with the fairies and that is why you think i am going with them which is i i think i respect bridget for busting out the yo mama comments <laughs> yeah but saying that you think i'm going with the fairies but it was really your mom that did it your mom so whether this was a taunt or some sort of dark humor or maybe an admission who knows but it definitely stoked the temper of michael again he prepares three pieces of bread and i imagine in my mind i'm thinking like irish soda bread which is kind of hard, difficult to swallow, and he slathers them with jam, and he forces her to eat these pieces of bread. And in fact, she had to eat all three of these pieces before she could even get something to drink. Hmm. I imagine that's quite the task. And she could only eat two of these slices of bread. And Michael also demanded that every time she ate a piece of bread, she would identify herself again. And this, of course, kind of connects with a lot of lore about 
you about naming a demon or naming an yeah. entity. Names are very powerful things. So that if if you demand to know an entity's name, it can't lie. It has to tell you the truth. Well, apparently she can only answer twice with these pieces of bread, probably because she needed a drink of tea or water or whatever, and she couldn't get any. Well, Johanna says in accounts later on that Michael throws her to the ground and he straddles her. He's got a knee on her chest and a hand on her throat and he's shouting, swallow it. Is it down? Is it down? Oh my God. And as he is holding her down, he's even hitting her head against the floor (gasps) and he reaches towards the fire and grabs a hot poker and he's threatening her with it, holding it close to her face telling her to swallow the bread take it you witch or i'll kill you he was oh my god shouted he needs to chill (laughs) he needs to chill indeed yes things are definitely getting tense in the clearly cleary household and in fact he also says while holding this hot poker against his wife or not wife come home bridget boland in the name of god boland being her maiden name So he strikes her head against the floor again, and he strips her to her undergarments, which he then either intentionally or accidentally, sounds like intentionally, sets them on fire with this poker. (laughs) And Michael Cleary proceeds to pour lamp oil all over his wife, and she is burning alive. Oh, my God. Others, meanwhile, again, there's a crowd of people in the house. They're looking on, and maybe they're appalled. Maybe they're telling him to stop, but nobody physically tries to stop him. And as this is all happening, he keeps shouting, she's not my wife. She's an old deceiver sent in place of my wife. He also says, I am not going to keep an old witch in place of my wife, so I must get back my wife. Fire continues. The burning continues. He says, it is not Bridget I am burning. You will soon see her go up the chimney. Yeah. The accounts said, again, Johanna in this case, that this is gruesome. She was burning on the hearth, and the house was full of smoke and smell. And you can just imagine that horrible Uh. smell. And when I looked down to the kitchen, I saw the remains of Bridget Cleary on the floor lying on a sheet. And Michael proceeds to threaten Johanna's brother, Pat. And he forces Pat to help wrap up the body and they carry it to a boggy area and bury it in a shallow hole. And Michael comes back to the house. He was seen by some people washing his clothes after the fact. And he made the rest of the family swear they would not tell anyone about what had happened. However, the next day he goes to church and because yeah. look, after, after killing your wife, that seems like a good thing to do. Go to church, get the old confession in. <laughs> and then you're clear. <laughs> then you're good to go. Yeah. He goes to church, but apparently he's acting strangely at church and Dunn, Remember Dunn, the fairy storyteller. Mm-hmm. He apparently knew what happened and tried to tell Michael to turn himself in or at least mentioned that he should bury uh, un, she, he should dig up the wife and bury her 
in holy ground, give her a Christian burial. And in fact, Dunn even mentions this to a priest, and the priest reports the comment to the police. Now, days go by. Bridget's missing, and they're searching for her. And all the while, Michael holds out hope. Now that this changeling has died, his loved one, his beloved Bridget, abducted by fairies, would return, and she would return riding on a white horse. And all he had to do was cut the bindings that held her to this white horse, and then he would have his wife back. Oh, no. That's not what happened. (laughs) Oh, shock. (laughs) Shocker. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. In fact, they found her body, and there are descriptions of how it looked. I won't read them now. It's it's quite gruesome, as you can imagine, but she was horribly beaten and burned. Her face, however, was in perfect condition and was hidden under a sack. Michael had put a sack over her head, which made her very easy to identify. And eventually, 10 people all of whom who had been in the house at some point throughout this ordeal were arrested. That included Dunn, the fairy storyteller, and Ganey, who was the fairy doctor. And Michael Cleary, during this trial, and this is where a lot of these direct quotes come from, is the trial. Michael Cleary, he was said to have multiple outbursts during this trial and even accused his his neighbors of colluding against him. Now, the justice was Justice O'Brien, and Justice O'Brien said, quote, this most extraordinary case demonstrated a degree of dark of darkness in the mind, not just of one person, but of several, a moral darkness, even religious darkness, the disclosure of which had come with surprise on many persons. So basically saying they believed this stuff and they got caught up in this frenzy and this hysteria. And it was murder, he said. Yeah. But it was, in his mind, not quite homicide. And in fact, he dropped the charge from murder to manslaughter. Hmm. Okay. Simply because he believed that they had all acted out of a genuine belief in huh. fairies and changelings. Now, Michael was convicted and sentenced to 20 years of penal servitude. And he was released in 1910 after 15 years. And after that, he boards a ship and he heads to Montreal. With the others, there were seven others that were convicted of, this is great, the the term is convicted of wounding Bridget. 
Wow, that's all they did? <laughs> yeah. And for some of them, uh, there were a variety of sentences. Some received six months, some received five years of penal servitude. Dunn received a couple years of it. And later on, Michael said that he he blamed it all on Dunn. Later on, he said, God knows I would never do it but for Jack Dunn. It was he who told me my wife was a fairy, which I don't know. People tell me lots of things and I'm still not going around burning people. But right. there's also some history. So some of the accounts say that up until this moment, these guys seem like a happy little couple. But then again, yeah. even today, who knows what's going on behind closed doors of people, right? But during her illness, Bridget was reportedly visited by her aunt, Mary Kennedy, and this account comes from Mental Floss. And Mary Kennedy reported that Bridget had said, Michael's, Michael's making a fairy of me now. He thought to burn me about three months ago. So that suggests that this was not the first crisis of hmm. its kind, even though this was obviously the, 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 big, the big moment. And I just, I, the, the, the quote from the New York Times, now this was written about later on, but the New York Times said, that Bridget herself is a puzzle, which so, uh, happen, so often happens with victims, people who have died. But New York Times said, when in the midst of her ordeal, she declared that her husband was making a fairy out of me, was it a cry for help? Was she simply teasing him? Or did she perhaps believe she was possessed? When she asked for milk to drink and then pretended to steal the shilling that paid for it, just as a fairy would do. Could she have been mocking her tormentor's fears or was it a sign that she was indeed not herself? Ooh. When she accused Michael of having a mother who had run off with the fairies, was that a final provocation that led to her death or just a familiar taunt? Was she simply making a macabre joke? Could she have come to believe that she really was a changeling? Depending on what you want to hear, Bridget can seem to be fearful or deluded or a high-spirited teaser whose defensive jokes began to sound dangerously like mockery. So it's a lot to chew on there. I, I do want to say that this notion of, as I started with, 1895, not exactly a savage time based on modern conveniences and whatnot, and this idea of the fairy wife of Ireland, also known as the last witch burned in Ireland, yeah. although she was not a witch, but civilized times. And the one thing I will say, though, is civilized. However, right over in London, at the exact same time that this trial was taking place, there was another trial happening and it was the trial against oscar wilde who was being tried for homosexuality wow. and then eventually convicted and sent to jail so even the modern cities remained fairly primitive depending on how you look at it yeah <laughs> so I, I i drew a lot of sources from the irish times new york times also there's a couple books angela bork who is a academic and folklorist wrote the book the burning of bridget cleary and Joan Hoff and Marion Yates wrote the book, The Cooper's Wife is Missing. But this is a, this is just crazy to me, crazy, crazy story of true crime story, but also connected to the paranormal belief. 
Right. Was the was the man ever eva- I mean maybe this wasn't a thing back then but was he ever evaluated for any mental disorders? Yes. So so no is <laughs> the answer, but there was belief later on that he suffered I, I believe it was in 2006 the Irish Journal of Medical Science did evaluate him obviously a long mm-hmm. time after his death and the psychiatric uh, assessment of him is that he may have been suffering from a psychotic state known as capris capris syndrome and that okay. is the belief that someone has been replaced by an imposter <gasps> oh and, i have heard of that yeah and and when that happens maybe because maybe for who knows what reasons caused it maybe his wife's illness was causing undue stress maybe he wasn't sleeping maybe who knows any number of things but apparently during that time you can start to have a psychotic break and believe that someone is not who they are that's also where we get you know that fairies in this case but it could also be demons or aliens or or you know other entities so so yeah, that's that's a very good question. Wow. Oh man, that's so it's so sad. <laughs> it's very sad. I almost I hope that I hope since because we're we are discussing, not basically, we are discussing the torture and murder of a of a poor innocent woman. Right. I really hope I hope in the long scheme of things she was a fairy and or or did possess some supernatural powers and then came back to haunt his ass or make the rest of his life a living nightmare or right. you know, I, I hope there's some sort of twist or vengeance some twilight zone ending to it where she ended up getting her her due and he got his comeuppance did did anything happen to him after he was released no, he, he lived to, like a long, chill life after that. He went to Montreal, and based on my research, he sort of kind of fades away after that. So hmm. uh, he, yeah, who, I don't really know what happened too much after that, but I think he just sort of faded away, faded into history. Wow. You know, so. when you when you said fairy wife, it actually reminded me of something that my grandpa told me. Can I share yeah. it? Yeah, please. <laughs> so uh, when my grandpa lived in the Philippines, he said that he had a neighbor. So my grandpa lives in a pretty like small village and his neighbor apparently was dating a fairy for a while but my grandpa never saw the fairy like he couldn't see Mm -hmm. it but the neighbor would like tell him about her and then one day they like got married and my grandpa said that he could this is the part that i'm still not sure how to feel about but he said he heard or like he saw his neighbor like disappear into the grass he heard a tiny car starts okay and then drive away i don't know how to feel about that but that's what my grandpa said he said that his neighbor married a fairy and moved away i mean (laughs) i really hope that if i hope that fairies if they exist have a better mode of transportation i would assume they would have green technology you know nature spirits like not burning fossil fuels yeah, maybe, I, <laughs> maybe it was a Tesla. I don't know. 
I just I never forgot that because the the idea of a fairy driving a tiny little car just like makes me laugh because like why what kind of car was it right right so do you believe in fairies I mean do you do you believe they're out there <sighs> here's the thing Aaron I have okay I have my Filipino shaman friend Lynn um Lynn Pacificar she has told me that her daughter, because her daughter is also very sensitive, her daughter is a very innocent kind of energy. And she has seen what she believes is fairies around her. Um, but the thing is, they don't appear like how you would think they do. They're not like tiny little people. Yeah. They're just like little little flecks of light. And they like move around and stuff. And I don't know. They seem to believe that that is what a fairy is. So I'm adding that into my definition of what a fairy could be. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm a everybody into the pool kind of person when it comes to the paranormal, because I think once you start limiting things to ghosts mm -hmm. exist, but not this, but this exists, but not that. Right. So I think if one thing exists or potentially exists, then all of it could mm -hmm. potentially exist. And I personally have been in the woods or at least in locations near woods and seeing some strange lights that I can't necessarily describe. And I think the woods are ancient and predate mm -hmm. humanity and civilization that why would there not be some sort of energy or spirit out there? I don't, I don't know for certain, but I don't dismiss it. Yeah. Especially um, areas, I mean, there's a reason why areas like the woods or places that are very secluded or untouched, places that are very natural, there's a reason why they feel so magical or feel so populated is because they are untouched. So any, all of the energy that's there, whether or not you believe they're spirits, like conscious things, there's still an untouched energy there that you can like feel. and. That's the reason why the Philippines is so haunted, because a lot of it is undeveloped. A lot of um, the jungles are still there. And so everything is still, I don't know, flitting around. <laughs> literally, literally brimming with life and maybe brimming with the energy of afterlife. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I forgot to mention is, so I did talk to my Irish friend about this story and she had not heard yeah. of it. And she lives... She lives in Ireland currently, but there is a popular nursery rhyme that came out of this whole story. And it's, you've heard of the Lizzie Borden, Lizzie Borden took an ax. Yes. So the story uh, emerging out of this, this, or the nursery rhyme out of this story is, are you a witch or are you a fairy or are you the wife of Michael Clary? So. Oh. So just, just a extra little. You know it's a you know it's a big deal, big story when it enters into the nursery rhyme territory. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, um, wow. Well, I have taken up a lot of your time, Sapphire. Before I let you go, thank you for thank you again for doing this. I I oh like gosh, trading stories me. like this. this yeah, is this fun. was fun. <laughs> will you will come back anytime? And likewise, let me know anytime you want me to come tell a story it doesn't have to be a gruesome story i'm happy to do so um <laughs> but in the meantime where can people find you um 
on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Awkward Sapphire. Um, and uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Sapphire Sandalo. I am going to start on February 3rd. I'm going to be releasing spooky animated videos of original scary stories every other week. So if that's your jam, feel free to <laughs> head on over there. And then also my podcast stories with Sapphire is available wherever you listen to podcasts. I That is my jam. And I'm excited to see it. All right. Yay. Well, <laughs> Sapphire, thanks so much. And I will see you. I will I will see you probably next on Paranormal Con on camera. <laughs> yeah. Ah, good seeing you. All right. Bye, Sapphire. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please consider giving Nightmarica a review on Apple Podcast. It really helps raise awareness and boost the show's rankings. Also, give me a follow on social media at Nightmarica on Instagram and Facebook, and at Aaron Sagers on Instagram and Twitter. And share Nightmarica with your friends. If you are able, I'd appreciate your support on patreon.com forward slash Aaron Sagers, where I also create tiki recipes, hold live streams, and share exclusive content. Don't miss new episodes of Paranormal Caught on Camera on Travel Channel and Discovery+. Plus. If you'd like to share your own paranormal stories or get paranormal advice for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com.